And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So, the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 46 with AMV, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. And before we dive into all things Ohio State, Ohio State first Michigan, the playoff, Big Ten championship, all that good stuff, need to tell you guys about The Athletic's Black Friday deal. Starting Monday night at 5 p.m. Eastern time, The Athletic's great writing is just $1 a month for 12 months. It's crazy. $1 a month for 12 months. Go to theathletic.com slash 426. That's 4TO6. Lock in the very best price of the year. $1 a month for new subscribers. I work here, and I might even do that. Ari, would you pay $1 a month for The Athletic? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Great deal. You know, you got you to gotta get get it for a family member. You know, get it for yourself just in case you get banned in the comment section. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's always good to have a burner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if you hate me and you don't want to get banned, sign up for a dollar and then say whatever you want to me in the comment section. You know, I think it's a wonderful holiday gift, and... You know, think about the stupid stuff that we spend a dollar on every day. Like, I, I, I sometimes wonder if I go back in time and think, like, every single time I spent a dollar to avoid being, uh, to avoid not being inconvenienced, yeah. whether it be a parking garage when there's spots further away or valet or whatever, it just like, it's great. It adds up. It adds up. I, I also think, too, that, and I'm not supposed to, like, people are going to think that I'm just saying this because we're supposed to. But, like, everybody who signs up for The Athletic, 
I say the vast, vast majority of people who do are glad they did. And like, it becomes part of their daily reading routine and like, won't like, can't live without it after it. So, and I'm not even just talking about what we do. I mean, it's just like, we've got beat writers on every major team, you know, national writers, you know, breaking news. It's like, you might be an Ohio state fan, but you might be a huge red wings fan. I don't know anything about the red wings, but I bet our coverage of it is awesome. So like, (laughs) Think we, about it. Think we about have it. like every every hockey writer of note. I think works works for the athletic. So yeah, if you are a Red Wings fan, that'd be a good time to jump in. It is uh, if, if, apparently if, uh, soccer too, Bill. So, yeah, soccer soccer's killing it. Every time I look at the most read stories, it's like soccer, 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 soccer. soccer, soccer. Yeah, it makes me feel great about uh, the people reading Ohio State stuff. Just kidding. People do read Ohio State stuff. I appreciate it. If you're on the fence or have been on the fence, if you're listening to this and not already an athletic subscriber or know somebody who isn't who's been thinking about it, uh, it doesn't really get better than one dollar a month. So go to theathletic.com slash four. To six for to six uh, starting Monday night at five o'clock Eastern time to get that Black Friday deal. Ari, Ohio State kicked the shit out of Michigan State, <laughs> fifty six to seven. It was forty nine to nothing at halftime. It was a bloodletting unlike uh, unlike anything or, or mostly unlike anything I think I've seen from Ohio State, particularly against a top ten team. I was reminded uh, from Stuart Mandel, uh, our our. A colleague, I guess I'll call him at the Athletics. Some people like to call him our boss, uh, who was in the press box for the Ohio State Michigan State game, and he had a, a, a chart in his story about top ten games or the, with the worst losses suffered by top ten teams. And I was reminded that Nebraska, when it got destroyed by Ohio State, I think it was in twenty sixteen, it was like sixty three to three or something like that in Ohio Stadium. That was a top ten team. That game wasn't surprising because that Nebraska team sucked. Uh, I think this Michigan State team is pretty good, or at least it's not as bad as Ohio State made it look on on Saturday. That was one of the more impressive wins I think I've seen from Ohio State in my time covering this team. All college football playoff discourse in October and early November is pretending average teams that everybody knows are average are great until they ultimately lose and the same three or four teams that everybody knows is built to win it eventually gets in. Who said that? That's all that is. Were you reading your own tweet? Yeah. Yeah. You should give yourself credit for that. It's true. I deleted it, though, because I didn't want people to think that uh, there's no reason to listen to our podcast. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think there's still a reason. I think everyone likes hearing about how good the Bucks are, right? No, I, no, I meant like the national one. Oh, uh, I don't care about that. Just listen to 46 with AMB. Yeah, yeah. I think like we try so hard to like have something new happen. And I know that Ohio State in the past has been prone at times to losing games that shouldn't. But Michigan State... It was and is not in the same galaxy as Ohio State. Their record was good because they happened to navigate it really well the way that they did. And they deserve credit for that. Like, they're good for doing that. But when you compare that team that's a top 10 team because there's nowhere else to put them to a team that actually can win a national championship, you get 49 points in two quarters. And, like, the thing, too, is that Ohio State has a a tendency this year, especially to play grab ass, especially in games with the spread. In these types of games, they always come out firing. And it's like something, and I, I don't want to like go too far into the future here, but I see Ohio State minus seven against Michigan, and I'm like, where's my car note? <laughs> yeah, no, we I will. Mean, like, yeah, we, we, I do want to get to that. I, I, but I do, I think you're right. I do think you're right. But I also, I also feel like it is worth kind of analyzing the efficiency with which Ohio State destroyed that team. Like it was, and it, it wasn't just that. 
the offense was firing on all cylinders and that like CJ Stroud was surgical and they could do no wrong on that side of the ball. <laughs> it was, it was similar in that way to the Purdue game, but in the Purdue game, the defense like messed around, gave up 31 points, got bombed on by Aiden O'Connell. Like the, I thought the defense really brought it against Michigan State. Like I, I was if we're, for as impressive as the offensive output was, I thought I thought the fact that the starting defense pitched a shutout for basically three quarters before they started really playing all their backups meant something because I don't I don't think that's a Michigan State offense that's that's terrible. I think that was pr- honestly probably the second or third best offense Ohio State has seen this year, and it was their best defensive performance of the season. And I don't think that's nothing. They're slow. Who's slow? I don't know. Like they're just like they're slow compared to Ohio State. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think yeah. that's what happened there. I think <laughs> no, no, no. I, but what I'm saying though is, is that like if you watch, if you watch Michigan State play against other teams, even in games where they're more efficient, they've got some individual skill pieces. Nobody is considering the fact that Kenneth Walker's not good. He's very good. Nobody's considered that that Jaden Reed's not good. But there is a certain gear that Ohio State can get into on both sides of the ball when things are clicking physically, athletically, and speed-wise that those teams aren't capable of hitting, even on their best day. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's true, but I also think there were a couple guys there who were going to play on Sundays, and Jaden Reed and Kenneth Walker, who like did absolutely nothing against Ohio State. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I'm, I'm saying like, but this is like I'm saying, there's a huge difference, and I think that a large portion of the games that I covered when I was on the beat and a large portion of the games that you cover, Bill, is other team has really good player. We talk about that player all week, then that player does nothing in the game. Mm-hmm. It's like that's like tail is end of time. You know, how many Wisconsin running backs did we say we're going to – we're one of the – it's like now Jonathan Taylor just scored five touchdowns on Sunday, and it's like didn't he like have like 39 rushing yards in the Big Ten championship game when they played them? It's like George Karloftis is one of the best defensive ends, and I didn't even know if they said his name during the broadcast. And it's like maybe that's a testament to like Nicholas Petit Freire who's playing himself into the first round, maybe, or you know, Ohio State's cornerbacks are playing as well as they did. Like Denzel Burke is one of the best young players in the in the game right now. Or, you know, maybe it's just how awesome, you know, Ohio State's players are. Because they are awesome. But it's just like we fall into this trap all the time. And it's like, well, it's November fifteenth, or, you know, we're talking about Michigan State heading into the game, and it's just like, dude, this is like when you have to play well. This is when Ohio State's most amped up to play. And I think that for the most part, I'll give Ryan Day credit. Ohio State actually seems to play its best football in the biggest games, which isn't something that is is um, universal amongst other sports, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you see – I don't know. I guess Penn State is kind of the – Well, they lost, the, they lost to Oregon, too. That's true. <laughs> and – they did not play particularly well. They should have beat Clemson in 2019 and didn't because maybe of their I'll, own mistakes. Maybe I'll rephrase this. They see. I mean, I think they played pretty well in that game, but they seem to be playing. They always play their best football. It seems that they play their best football in November games against Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State. Yeah, I whenever think- they land on the schedule, like it's like, does anybody have any? wonder whether or not Ohio State's going to play well on Saturday coming up? No, I don't. I don't. Do you, do you, I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but do you feel like I think what I get I'm what you're saying. I think, I think there's something to the idea of Ryan Day's Ohio State maybe. Like when, when, when people try to talk themselves into, oh, this might be a game. This team could give Ohio State some trouble. Ryan Day just says, watch this shit. 
and then his team just puts it on whoever that team is. I think I think that's kind of how how I view it. Um, I don't I don't know I don't I don't know if I would say that they've played their best in all the big games because they lost to Oregon and they lost a the playoff game to Clemson where I think they could have played better and would have won if they did. Um, certainly didn't play their best game against Alabama, but there were extenuating circumstances there. But I think in these kind of games where people try to like will an upset and and are hopeful that someone in the Big Ten can be competitive with Ohio State, Ryan Day gives everyone a really swift reminder of what that gap looks like. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't know if we have to wait till the Wednesday. I don't think we should wait till the Wednesday podcast to talk about what we feel about Ohio State Michigan because on Wednesday we're having Nick Baumgartner on the show and we're probably going to be asking him a bunch of questions. I think we can probably spend time on it today. But yeah, first, for sure, um, not to steal your hosting duties away. That's all right. CJ Stroud's going to win the freaking Heisman. He might win the Heisman. Yeah, he's uh, he's the he's the he's the landslide favorite to win the Heisman right now. He is. Yeah, he odds has. Wide. I saw like he's the only guy that has like negative odds, right? Yeah, yeah. negative. It's it's minus two fifty, and yeah. Bryce Young's like plus one fifty. It's which is it's kind of interesting to me, and like I think some people might have been irked a little bit by the way we talked about C.J. Stroud last week. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we could have done it a little more eloquently. I suppose. I think C.J. Stroud's really good. Do you just think that, or did somebody say something to you? I saw a couple of things. So, well, and I don't know if it's sarcasm. I can't pick up on sarcasm anymore. But like I wrote about CJ Stroud after the game, and somebody said like, "Not bad for the guy you said was the seventh best player on his own team." And I was like, "Still means he's good." <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you want from from me. Ohio State if has a lot of really best, good players. If you're the seventh best player on Ohio State's roster, does that mean you're a top fifty player nationally? Yeah, it means you're probably like a first round pick. <laughs> I don't think it's you not being able to pick up on sarca- uh, sarcasm. I think it's people not being able to understand context. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, but it is it is funny to me. Like it, like I, after that game, like I, I thought CJ was awesome in that game. I know Michigan State's pass defense isn't great. Um, I thought they he, were like he made a few great balls, but people were wide open the entire game. Yeah, but see, like I think, and that's what I wrote about after the game. Like I think people neg him too much for that because he's he's doing stuff to help those guys get open. There is, there is, I've said this before and I'll say it again. He's a redshirt freshman and there is a sophistication to his play that people don't appreciate because all they watch is Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Jackson and Jigba looking like they're wide open all the time and they are wide open all the time, but it's not just them beating their guy. Like CJ Stroud does stuff to move linebackers, to move safeties, to put the ball where it needs to be, have really good ball placement. Like not just anybody can go out there and throw the ball around the yard to these guys. And like, I, 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 it upsets me a little bit when people like assess Ohio State's offense that way. Yes, they're awesome. Their receivers are great. C.J. Stroud has a part in this that doesn't get acknowledged enough, in my opinion. And I thought that that game against Michigan State was like the best example of the things that he does to make this offense what it is. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let me ask you this. Did you do the Heisman straw poll for Fortuna this week? I haven't said it in yet because I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm really it's torn. It's today by three, right? Yeah, I'm really torn on what to do. We're recording this Monday morning. Is C.J. Stroud your Heisman pick, if he is, because he's truly the, the most outstanding player in the country that's deserving of the award? Or is Chris Olave TCU, Garrett Wilson's Baylor, and... C.J. Stroud is Ohio State in the 2014 final playoff rankings. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really hard to parse. I get, I get what you're saying there. The stats, the stats, like we said last week, are are, are what's going to put C.J. Stroud there. I don't think he's the most outstanding player in college football, but like, there's been. Are you changing count. your mind about whether or not he's the most outstanding player on his own team? No, no, I'm not. But I'm saying if you want, if you want to put him there. Based on the stats, I think more and more, and especially the last two weeks, uh, he's showing us that it's about more than just those crazy stats. I think he's a very good quarterback. I think he and Bryce Young are, are probably the two best quarterbacks in the country. I don't know. Kenny Pickett's playing well. Matt Corral's playing well. Um, but I think I think there's legitimacy there. It's not just C.J. Stroud has awesome receivers and his job is easy. Like you I made a joke. You made a joke on me uh, at me on Twitter the other day, but I did this specifically for our podcast. And I tweeted, "If you were a Heisman voter and you had to put Ohio State player on your ballot, who would you choose? C.J. Stroud, Garrett Wilson, or Chris Olave?" And you wrote back, "No Ruggles, because you're an asshole." But yeah, then he missed a field goal. I jinxed them. Yeah, it was hilarious. It, they got 1,300 votes, so I think it's a pretty good sample size for Ohio State fans. Yep, 63.9 percent said C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. 21.5% said Garrett Wilson, 14.6% said Chris Olave. And I got to tell you, buddy, that is recency bias voting during a game where where C.J. Stroud is throwing six touchdowns or it's just the fact that it's a simplistic award that just goes to the quarterback of the team that's going to the playoff. But like, yeah. I still don't think that C.J. – I'm not saying that anything that you said about C.J. Strong is wrong. In fact, I agree with you, and you probably know more about the subtleties than any of us combined in terms of – you know, ball placement, sure, or ball fakes or head fakes or where he's looking pre-snap or all the things that a quarterback has to do in order to aid his receivers to find spots to get open. That said, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are so outstanding and have been every single time they've played. I mean, Chris Olave has been outstanding tremendous since the day he, he got on the field as a freshman three years ago, four years ago. And now is like the all-time leading touchdowns receiver in the history of Ohio State football. And I said a month ago or two months ago that he's the best receiver in Ohio State football history. And they lined up all the receivers that came through there um, as greats. And it's a laundry list of great receivers. And it's just like he's the 14.9% most the year removed after Devontae Smith won won the award that he's the third option on his own team it's just like that's wrong to me well i'm 
I'm certainly in favor, and I saw Ralph Russo say this on Twitter too from the AP. Like, I am in favor of doing something different with the Heisman Trophy this year. Um, and so, I guess something different happened last year when, when Devontae Smith won it. Um, I don't. I don't actually think C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young are the quote unquote most outstanding players in college football this year. I think like Will Anderson's probably the best player I feel like I've seen this year. I think Garrett. He's Wilson, going on my ballot. I think Garrett, and he he was on, he's been on mine. He'll still be on mine. I think Garrett Wilson yeah. is probably the best football player on Ohio State's roster. So I would give him consideration as well. But right, I don't, is there a chance you would put two on it? Two Ohio State players? Yes. Yeah, I think there is, but like I struggle with that. It's like, is that is that really the way you should do it? Like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like you should because just two like Alabama players went to the went to the finals last year. Which yeah, and like, and I two. and I in my I'm I'm almost positive on my final ballot last year. I had Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris. I think those were my three guys I voted for last year, like officially voted for. This is the problem with the straw poll because it's like I'm if I had to leave off one player in my gut, I feel like it'd be wrong to leave off either receiver. Yeah, I don't know if I'd vote uh, Chris Olave for the Heisman. Chris Olave's having a great year. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I consider it like a Heisman kind of year. Although, I mean, whatever. It's a great year. Um, yeah, it's just weird. I mean, to- that catch by the goal line on Saturday was incredible. Like one of the best catches. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I yeah. mean, one of the one so of the like, be- what, one of his best catches of his career. What's the distinction then between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in your mind? Uh, more versatility just, from from Garrett, more explosiveness. I think Garrett Garrett can do it multiple ways. I think Chris is a little more of a down the field guy. Garrett can do that. He can track a ball. He plays a great physicality. He can kill you after the catch. He's pretty shifty. Um, take a hand off like that kind of stuff. I just think I just think he does more. Um, Who's faster? Doesn't it seem is it, Olave's faster than him? Right. I think if they raced like. 30 yards, Olave would win, and if they race 60 yards, Garrett would eventually overtake him. Interesting. Yeah, the thing people always say about Chris Olave is like the – and this was what Ryan Day said to me when I wrote a story about Chris Olave at the beginning of the year. Like the first 10 yards for Chris Olave are special. Like the way he gets off the line, the way he can blow by somebody, manipulate a defender is special, and I, I totally agree with that. Um, I think overall route running – Garrett Wilson, I think, is like every bit as good as Chris Olave. And honestly, Jackson Smith and Jig was probably better than both of them. <laughs> at this, at this better point. route runner, you mean? Yeah, that kid's a crazy, crazy good route runner. Yeah. Did you I, know that he's, and I don't know, like you look at the stats, like you look at everything, but I was surprised when I looked before the podcast to see that Smith and Jigbo was a leading receiver. Well, he had that crazy Nebraska game. No, I know, but still, like he's leading him in, in, in average yards per game. Or average yards per reception, sixteen point four. Um, he's got six touchdowns, and it's just like next year, Ohio State's going to have a Mecca Egbuka, Julian Fleming, and J- Jackson Smith and Jigba in the receiving core, and it's going to look like this again, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to look pretty. Maybe close not to this. quite. It's not going to be as good, but something similar, I think. Um, that that is kind of crazy that he he is there, but also like. That's kind of been the mo for this offense. Whoever that guy is in the slot has been the leading receiver in the past since Ryan Day's been here. It was KJ Hill, Paris Campbell. Um, even that 2018 offense, like that, was absurd. I think Paris Campbell was the leading receiver. Maybe no, it was KJ Hill was a leading receiver. But like Terry McLaurin was probably the best receiver on that team, right? At least maybe with hindsight. Um, yeah. But the guy in that position definitely was, with hindsight, Bill. Yeah. Well, well, for you anyway. Yeah. Um, not for me. I've always been a big Terry guy. I watch him on the NFL, and I think to myself, like, how could I have been more wrong about anybody <laughs> in the history of the planet? It's all right. So, we, listen, we all have our misses. I thought Tate Martell was going to be good. Still do. Good yeah, to, good I was going to say, <laughs> that was past tense. Yeah. Um, um, 
the just like the, the thing on CJ, like I don't I don't disagree with anything you said on CJ. It's the nature of the of the award more than anything else, which is why I think that poll was so lopsided. I think if you said who do you think is the best football player on Ohio State's team, that it would break out differently. You gave them the same options, it would it would end up differently. Um, but the Heisman is is a quarterback award. We all know that, but it is weird to me, like. And I don't remember, like, were we having these same conversations about Dwayne Haskins in 2018 when he was a, a Heisman Trophy finalist throwing in a wide-open passing offense and we're saying, like, it's not him, it's everybody else? And do we have these conversations about Joe Burrow in 2019 when he had a, two first-round receivers and a first-round running back? And There's a numbers, distinction, though. What is the distinction? Joe Burrow was the most outstanding player on his, on his team. Was he? I think so, yeah. Definitively? That's the way I viewed it that year. I don't know, man. I, I, I think, wasn't I think I could go back and parse that offense perch. and say Joe Brady did a pretty good job of setting up guys wide open on RPOs, and Joe Burrow was throwing to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Clyde Edwards Alaire, and he had an easy day, easy job doing it. Like, and it's now the same, the, uh, it's the same thing. He's my fantasy quarterback. It's like I wouldn't wish that hell upon anybody. But like I, I, the perception of Joe Burrow at that time regardless of whether or not it was Brady or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Jefferson or whoever he was throwing it to. And maybe perception and reality are two different things. But that entire year, it was Burrow, 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 five touchdowns, seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns, Burrow, Burrow, ESPN, let off with Burrow. Like, Burrow was the story of his team that entire year. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's the most outstanding player, and his numbers to this point in the season are basically the same as what cj strouds are at this point in the year like they're not all that different no i'm yeah no i get it i get it but it's just like the way that we're supposed to be voting for this this award is who is the player that tells the story of this season not really and it's that's, just how, like, that's how that's how we try to do it but i don't think it's how you're supposed to do it no but even but even if you did that that way cj stroud doesn't even come close to telling the story of the season does he uh Maybe he, he will. Comes if close. They He's the win, quarterback win. of 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 an offense that statistically is better than that Alabama and LSU offense. You seem pretty like you got your mind made up on this. No, no, I'm not because we're actually voting on this, like in real life, not just the straw poll. Like we are voting. Yeah, yeah, voter, right? and I'm not. And we have the Michigan game and and maybe a Big Ten yeah. championship game to to you know watch before we have to make a decision on that. I I am I am struggling what to do with C.J. Stroud at the moment. He, I understand why he's the favorite. I don't think he's the best player in Ohio State's offense, but I also think that dismissing him as, oh, this his offense is awesome, his receivers are awesome, he doesn't have much to do with it, is the wrong way to look at it. Um, but I still don't think it's clear cut. Like I, like I said, I haven't put my thing. Like, I feel pretty good that I'm going to have Will Anderson on there, and that's the only thing I feel good about, and, and that Kenneth Walker will not be on there. Um, so there's two spots for like like, Stroud, Bryce Young, Garrett Wilson. I don't even know who else. I'm not letting go of, um, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is hard. I feel, I feel like everybody has let go of him. I'm not letting go of him. The hard thing with Jordan Davis is that, um, one, he plays a position that people just don't watch. And I don't think we're like really know how to watch. And I include myself in that. Um, I was like all I was on the Jordan Davis hype train because like I watched him play one time. I was like, well, I've never seen many players who could do that before. I have not watched him much since then because there's not real reason to watch Georgia because Georgia destroys everybody. Um, and he doesn't play a lot, but I think that's partly because Georgia destroys everybody. Um, so it's kind of hard. Like there's not there's not a 
there's not a tremendous body of work there. There's not a tremendous statistical output there. Output there. It's just like you're looking at him and saying like that guy's a freak, and he might be the best player in the country. Did you see he scored a touchdown on Saturday? I did see that. Yeah. So like, but, so but got the stats, but <laughs> but part of me also feels like how could you how could you not have a defensive player from Georgia on your Heisman ballot, especially in the same year where you're putting Will Anderson on yours. Yeah, well, Will Anderson has the stats, and he and he jumps off the 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 TV at you when you're watching the game. Um, but he's also playing a position that I think is easier for someone to do that. Um, it's like, it's like so funny to me because it's like in a year where there isn't a slam dunk candidate that's like this is obviously the guy. Mm-hmm. There's two ways of thinking about it. There's the Ralph Russo way, which is, well, maybe this is the year where we should do something different with it. And then there's the, I think, basic way, which is just give it to Ohio State's quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't know which one's right. I don't know which one's right either. I, I, I have a feeling on which way it would go, and it would be to the quarterback, which is why I think if C.J. Stroud plays really well against Michigan, he's going to win, um, which is like kind of, kind of a crazy thing. Um, C.J. Stroud, like having – I'm trying to remember like what we thought. Justin Fields was a finalist in 19. Was he final? He was not a finalist last year, was he? I can't remember. Um, he wasn't last year. Yeah. Wait. No, he wasn't. No, I don't. Year. I don't think he was. Um, and they've had. It's final- just funny to me that C.J. Stroud, of all the Heisman, of all the Heisman candidates that Ohio State has had over the past, course of the past ten years, that like C.J. Stroud of all the players, not Justin Fields, not anybody else, GT is going to be the one that wins it. Yo, that's what I was. That's what I was getting at. Like this is. This is the most legitimate it's felt, right? Like we always talk about the Heisman with Ohio State with its quarterback or with its running back, whatever. This is the most legitimate it's felt at this point in the season, probably since Troy won it, right? Well, because all the other conversations are happening in October. Is this guy going to win the Heisman? It's like C.J. Stroud was. There was no Heisman C.J. Stroud discussion three weeks ago. It just happened because everybody around him fell or fell down like bowling pins, and he threw six touchdowns in a top ten matchup with air quotes. Uh, and has the statistics to do it. And I'm not, I know it sounds terrible. Like there are going to be people who say Ari Wasserman hates CJ Stroud. And it's like, no, let's just don't think about it that simplistically. I'm just trying to be real about it. And like, I think he's a top 30 player in college football and is a tremendous player that, by the way, has really muddied things up about next year in terms of what Ohio State's going to do at quarterback because, you know, we're two months removed from people saying that he should be benched. And now all of a sudden he's going to win the Heisman Trophy and then things are going to get interesting with Quinn maybe, uh, which I think is a podcast for, I don't know, February. But like the, yeah. the, the rise to the top of it, I don't think is because he's the most tremendous player in college football. It's because the tremendous players on other teams have been losing. And he has great stats and he had a great game in the top 10 matchup when it really was just against a team that probably should have three or four losses this year. Yeah. I don't I don't really view it though. I, I think I think he's very good trending in like a special kind of direction. He 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 does things again as a redshirt freshman that I don't I don't think many quarterbacks at that age and frankly many quarterbacks who are older than him can do with the way he sees the field, the way he throws with anticipation. Um I think that is like very, very next level and the reason why he rose to being so prominent in his recruiting class before he came to Ohio State. Like this is this is the the vision I think that Ryan Day had for CJ Stroud and he's going to get 
probably two years with this guy, which is something he didn't get with Dwayne Haskins. So I think did, it was kind of a similar. Did CJ Stroud have his have his Heisman moment mm-hmm. already, Bill, or do you think this weekend is the is the weekend he wins? No, that's that's the other thing that's hard with him. Like I, I don't think. In in one way, I felt like that that game was like sort of like a clinic and all the things he does well, and you can maybe like take that in like kind of as a moment. But there was something like wow about it. Like you really have to watch it to appreciate it. Was um, it the first or second touchdown that he threw that went over a defender's head and into the bucket down the middle of the field? The deep one to Olave. On the play on the double play action, that one. Yeah. Yeah. And on that play too, like he dropped back, he he looked left, he held the safety shallow so Chris Olave could get behind him, and then there was not, there was really no space to get Olave that ball because Olave was pretty close to the end line, um, and he put it in a perfect spot. Um, and I thought his downfield passing in that game was the best it's been all year. He's been very good, I think, in the middle of the field, uh, short to intermediate middle areas of the field all season, and that was this was him like adding on to that with like finally calibrating the deep ball the right way too. So that stood out to me as well. Um, but yeah, I think he's really good. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with him now. Did you turn your your ballot in? Your highs. I haven't trouble? done it yet. No. Yeah, I, I'm a little torn on it. I because, wanted to wait till after this podcast was over with because you have a tendency to help me see things clearly. No, so, I don't. I don't have. You haven't changed my mind though. I don't have. I don't have a ton of. Well, it's because I don't have a ton of clarity on it. I think. I think. I think this. Like, if you if you want to put CJ on there. I think I'm. On, I was not on board with that before last week. I am more on board with that idea now. Um. I'm also, Would a Heisman ballot that was one Garrett Wilson, two Will Anderson, and three Jordan Davis be insane? Uh, no. I don't know if I'd put Garrett first, but no, I don't think. I don't think it's insane. I think it's those four. I think you consider Stroud and Bryce Young, Nicobe Dean. Um, I don't know if you consider Matt Corral anymore. I don't know if you consider Kenny Pickett anymore. I think the list is, is shrinking quite a bit of people that you'd like legitimately consider voting for. I'm actually pulling up the my sports book where I can put actual money on it and it's not just emailed to your inbox. Yeah. Bryce Young is plus 125. Bijan Robinson and Brian Robinson from Alabama. Matt Corral. These are guys that you actually can bet on. Plus 9,000. Corral plus 2,200. CJ Stroud minus 250. Desmond Ritter plus 9,000. Um, Kenny Pickett plus thirty five hundred, uh, and like you're scrolling past a ton of names here, and then Caleb Williams plus six thousand for some reason, and those are the only people you're even permitted. Like Jordan Davis is not have odds on this. Yeah, there were uh eighteen players on the on our Heisman straw poll last straw poll last week. I'm very curious to see if that gets gets whittled down at all. I think it could. Like in a, in a Kenneth Walker is just out of the conversation now, right? I would think so, but people might still vote for him. He was he was the runaway leader last week. Um, like it wasn't even close. Um, so maybe he stays on because that would be kind of weird to like totally drop out after being being that high. Um, eight he of, wasn't on mine. He wasn't on mine at all last week because I knew this was coming. He was on mine because I figured he. Was I guess that's probably coming. the wrong way to do it though. It's to, like neg somebody for something that hasn't happened yet. But yeah, I mean, well, I guess it, in the end it, it worked out for you. He was on mine, but he's not going to be on mine this week. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is like an interesting defensive player to consider. He's having a, excuse me, really good year for Michigan. Um, a guy I'm, I'm super curious about this coming Saturday. But I do think, as you mentioned there with your betting and the betting stuff, I think the list of guys you could consider, legitimately consider, is is getting shorter and shorter by the week. But C.J. Stroud's there. I think he's definitely there. You can't bet on Keaton Slovis. 
Can you, I apologize uh, for not uh, taking in every single word you said. Did you say you can vote for Garrett Wilson or you cannot? Garrett Wilson is not on my, uh, or bet, he's sorry. listed here, but you can't bet on him. <clears throat> so Stroud's the only one from Ohio State? Stroud is the only one from, like there's a bunch of names that are listed, but there's no odds for them. So that to me means that they're not taking action or that the, the action is so bad or so lopsided it's not even worth putting up odds for, which makes no sense because Caleb Williams still has odds up. And like there's no chance that Caleb Williams has better actual odds in real life to win the trophy than Garrett Wilson does. Yeah. But um, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are both listed. Neither of them have odds. And my, my book might just suck. I'm sure on DraftKings you can bet on anybody you want. But, um, you know, C.J. Stroud, Matt Corral, and, and uh, Bryce Young are the, the three best odds, and Matt Corral is a distant third. Yeah, our straw polls like, I don't even too. know. Like, like, Bryce Young I haven't voted for once all year. I think I might have and voted like, for him the first time, but not and since. And the reason why I haven't voted for him is because I think the award is more than just being Alabama's quarterback, which is why, which is consistent in my thinking about Ohio State right now. Which I think is totally fair. Like I, I, I can definitely get behind that thinking. I just, I just don't want. I think, I think the award should be more than that. It's, it's not going to be more than that. But I don't want to say that in a way that people come away thinking that you or I or both of us, whatever, think that CJ Stroud is is not an excellent quarterback. I context. Think he, context. We both think he's very good. I think he's good he's and getting the better. Discussion, the fact that he's even in the discussion with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, you know, the thing too is that like I don't think I've held players in higher regard at Ohio State than I hold Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson in a long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe not since Joey and Nick Bosa. In terms of how maybe Chase Young, but like this is a rare feeling that I have about how good these guys are. Yeah. Like these guys are tremendously elite players, even for Ohio State standard. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we're even discussing CJ Stroud in a similar light is a compliment. And just because I don't think that I would vote him number one on my ballot because he happens to play the quarterback position or or because he happens to be the face of the team as a result of the position that he plays doesn't mean that I don't think he's playing very well. Or does it make me think that, I mean, like, I guess the, the next point here is, you know, using through C.J. Stroud as a lens, like, what are you anticipating for this game coming up? And, uh, like, can Ohio State win the national championship this year? Yeah, I think they can. I think I think, I think C.J. Stroud, if he continues to play the way he's playing, is like a good enough quarterback for Ohio State to win the national title for sure. If I cover the game with you in Dallas, mm-hmm. I guess it won't matter because I'm not, I already know what I would want right for my column. And I'll tell you this, and maybe I could write it after a semifinal game if they ended up winning that game. That would be a rehash of the best teams in Ohio State history that didn't win the national championship. And how it always seems to be the flawed ones with issues at the beginning of the year that are unfixable that turn around and do it. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's like not a unique thing, but it's just like this team is maybe what the fifth best or fourth best team that Ohio State's had. Maybe that's not fair. Maybe I'm underselling their offense. You tell me. It's the best offense that they've had probably like ever. So, <laughs> yeah, which is it's just hard for me to wrap my mind around. It's like Justin Fields was on the team last year. Yeah, but there was like that was a weird year. They were missing guys in that game. I thought like Ryan Day coached the coached the poor game in that game. There's like there's always extenuating circumstances there. And very, very often, the best players and the best quarterbacks don't win. 
Alabama won what like four national titles with like a broomstick playing quarterback. <laughs> it's, it's not always the the guy that uh, is transcendent and and the best yeah, player no, in his no, position. I just in the think country it's like funny wins. to me. It's like the 2019 team didn't get it done somehow, and like this team might, and their defense was like on the verge of potentially falling apart, a coordinator being fired, and, like, we don't even know if they had good enough players to do it. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself in November. they got to beat Michigan. They have to win the Big Ten championship game, and they have to – I mean, they've got to win four really hard games in a row. Yep. So, and maybe they won't do that, you know. But it's just, like, we are – what are we, two months, legitimately two months removed away from, like, having a discussion about whether Kerry Combs is going to have a job next next week. So, like, now this team is the second-best team in the country. Yeah, and two months removed from should they – In the playoff rankings. Yeah, so do I. They're two in the AP poll, but I think they'll be two in the playoff rankings on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you – I don't know, based on the quality wins that Alabama has, how you could – like, there's no scenario whatsoever where Alabama could be two in my mind. I agree. I agree. And Ohio, I, oh, here are the uh, two forks – I mean, the uh, the new college football playoff poll. <laughs> he showed me the football team cont- uh, talent composite ratings. They're in the wrong order, though. Alabama – that's Alabama 1, Georgia <laughs> 2, Ohio State 3. <laughs> Further, I I've like, I further have proof that stars don't matter. I've, I've got my uh, the screenshot ready uh, for tomorrow night saying, here's this week's uh, playoff rankings. Who's fourth? Post that. Who's fourth in the team composite? Oh, come on, Dabo. Get your shit together. Yeah, I know. And yeah, Florida is seven. So, I mean, I guess there's some, there's some giving up happening this year. But I also can like understand that Clemson has had Clemson has had some injuries, and if their quarterback is actually a miss, then that changes everything. Because their quarterback could be a five-star miss. Yeah, he could we, be. We don't have to go down. We don't have to go down into the catacombs of that discussion. But I'm just saying, like, that's why Ryan Day recruits a five-star every year. In case, in case you get read a, the athletic, in case you get a dud, yeah, go read the athletic, theathletic.com slash four dash six. Oh, One actually, a month wait. if you go to yeah, it's it's theathletic.com slash. Normally, our Code is four dash six. This is the athletic.com slash four two six. Two six. This is different. T four the number four T O. I almost interrupted Terms. you when you said that, but I had a feeling you knew what you were doing. Six. Yeah. Yeah, I knew what I was doing. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100 percent guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Ohio State, Michigan. Give me a reason not to go put my entire bank account on Ohio State minus 7 right now before it moves to 9 or whatever it's going to be on Thursday. Weird line, right? And it's gone up a little bit. I think, wasn't it like 6.5 and, and now it's like 7, 7.5? When it hit my book, it was seven and a half. Was it okay? I, I never got a chance at six and a half. If I did, then I might. I don't know. College fund will be in. BetMGM has it at seven and a half. I saw some other books have it at like six and a half yesterday, but I think like it moved immediately um, up to like seven, seven and a half after that. Total sixty three and a half. We didn't give game picks last week, by the way. We have to make sure we do that this week. Um, what is if they listen to the podcast, they knew we were right. That's right. Would you like? The, I actually gave a game well, pick. My my game prediction was Colton. Does anybody on earth actually think Michigan State has a chance to win this football game? <laughs> that there was my game prediction. I gave a prediction in my beat writer roundtable with Colton, in which I picked Michigan State to cover, which uh, shows how much I know. 
about college football. Give me uh on let's do this on a on a scale of one to ten, one being the least likely, ten being the most likely. Your level of confidence, I guess, that this is a game on Saturday. Four. Four. Yeah. Like, I get it. I get it. Every single year we do this shit, Bill. We tr- Like, every year that Michigan's even kind of good, we do our best to make this a game. And, like, maybe, like, I could think Jim Harbaugh wants to beat Ohio State more probably badly than anybody's ever wanted to beat Ohio State. Um, their quarterback seems to be playing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got some skill position player. I love their tight ends. They've got the best, one of the best defensive line rush packages in the entire sport. Donovan Jackson it's showed at, up against it's, Maryland, it's on, had 170 on, receiving yards. It's on the road. Yeah. This is for the Big Ten Championship, the Big Ten East Big Ten Championship. All the marbles, Birth. as Jim Harbaugh said. It's like you want to think that this is like the time where Ohio State might be susceptible, but the time when Ohio State's got its Listen, this is when Jim Harbaugh fails. All the marbles is it would make should make you think the other way. There were marbles on the table in East Lansing in October, and they did not win. Although they probably should have. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I think it's a fair take. I do think it's a fair take. The I don't know. <clears throat> Kate McNamara is playing well. Kate McNamara also makes some throws where I'm like, "What the hell are you doing?" And he sometimes gets away with it. He'll like drop down and throw it sidearm. It's like. Who do you think you are? Um, but I, I do like him. I think their offensive line is very good. They have, if Blake Corum plays, they have three pretty solid tailbacks, including Donovan Jackson, who had 170 receiving yards against Maryland. Just like sliced them up out of the backfield last week. Maryland stinks, but you know it was noteworthy. Um, but if Nick Petit Frere and Dewan Jones can just block Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo, then I don't really know if there's much worth talking about. <laughs> In, the, in this game because i don't think, be crossing routes and slicing them up and down the field like like always right like what, well well this is not don brown's defense anymore um which i think is an interesting subplot to this i think i might have said this before but like i i think i think like the don brown's presence on michigan staff was like some sort of touchstone for ryan day in this rivalry where like he didn't grow up in it but like he knows don brown they go back and like don brown's dr blitz and ryan day's like i'm gonna tear dr blitz apart and he's and he did it like every time they played him um he's not there anymore it's not to say that like ryan day i think can very quickly find other motivation such as last year i forgot about this i don't know how i forgot about it remember last year last august when uh there was a reported little little spat between Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh on the Big Ten coaches call, and then oh Ryan, yeah, and then Ryan Day in a report that was like verified by ESPN. It wasn't just like message board bullshit. Uh, ESPN like verified that Ryan Day told his team that they better have a mercy rule because he's going to hang a hundred points on Michigan, and they didn't get the chance to do that. Now he has it. It's a different defensive coordinator, different defense, but like Ryan Day, I, I, I don't I don't want to make too much of this because I don't want to sound like a slappy dipshit, quietly fiery. He is very quietly fire, very quietly fiery. And after the game against Michigan State, like that dude was like, "I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be here. I want to go like back to the Woody and start watching more Michigan tape." He did say like, "Oh, I haven't watched Michigan all year." Like that's he was lying. He's watched Michigan all year. Trust me. Um, I think he is like very locked in <laughs> on this game, which like it would shock me if Ohio State does not come out firing the way it came out firing against Michigan State. If Ohio State comes out firing the way they fired against Michigan State, does Michigan have a chance to be in the game? I don't think Michigan's offense can keep up, no. 
do they have the athletes on that team to keep up at all? Why is the spread seven? You think it's public perception? Um, are there statistics where you know, like they take into account Michigan State or Michigan's um, blowouts of teams like Maryland and has taken care of business against crappy teams? And like statistically, it might make sense that they are. But like, I think of Ohio State traditionally has played very well in this game, right? When's the last time Ohio State played poorly in a Michigan game? Um, they were messing around a little bit in 2017 when JT got hurt and Dwayne had to come in. Yeah. That was a little bit of a sweater and it got more, a little more comfortable at the end. Um, 18 was a blowout. 19 was a blowout. Didn't play last year. Uh, six, 16, that team was just dysfunctional on offense. I don't know if they played poorly. I just think they weren't capable of scoring. They weren't very good. Yeah. <laughs> they, weren't very good on, they weren't very good on offense and Michigan was good that year. So it was a close game. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, – they've not played poorly against Michigan in all my years covering Ohio State, and I can't – You know what's funny? It's like 20, 2013 was an overtime game, right? Yeah. That you said that Donovan Jackson showed up and sliced all over the field, and I didn't notice it till right now when I was looking at their – it's Donovan Edwards. Did I say Donovan, Donovan Jackson ja- several yeah, times? Yeah, it's funny. It's like <laughs> now, I'm picture, now I'm picturing Donovan Jackson <laughs> slicing up a defense. Um, I'm very curious about – like. I was obsessed with his recruitment, and I know one of his 170 yards was a 77 yard catch, mm-hmm. and they were playing against Maryland. But yeah. who uh, Maryland? Who uh, Maryland came in with the Ohio State or the, the Don Brown plan of playing man coverage all the time, and then Michigan was just like, "Okay, we'll we'll take uh, 70 yards." Thank you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, like, are you? Are you just like, do you find yourself going to be on the side of we're going to convince ourselves that this is going to be a game, or are you just going to go back? At, like, here's the thing about the Michigan game, and I will say this because I have respect, or used to have respect for the rivalry. If Michigan's uniforms are different and they were playing this game October 29th, I would feel like Ohio State would win 56 to 14. Maybe not that bad. Michigan's a, t- a better. I, I would believe that Ohio State would win this game. 38 to 21 at the very least a comfortable win that is kind of a blot on the scoreboard but isn't embarrassing Mm -hmm. i would view it the same exact way that i would view ohio state playing michigan state this weekend which is dismissive of the other team's chance of having any chance to compete and win the game but because it is michigan and because it's a rivalry game there's always a level of hesitation or a rope around my waist that somebody's pulling back and saying, you know what, you, you can't say this stuff about this game or you can't think about this stuff like the same way because this is the Michigan game. And it's like, actually, Ohio State just kicked the shit out of them the way they've kicked the shit out of everybody that's similarly built. It's on the paper, a huge game. Michigan will be number five in the playoff rankings uh, on Tuesday. They're going on the road. There's fiery uh, motivation for Ryan Day to prove that he can win this game again. Obviously, he's defined as the head coach, and it's funny to me that he's only played them once after he coached all these games. I know. <laughs> like, there's a lot like on the line for Ohio State, too. And I just feel like when and if Ohio State plays their best football, they cannot be stopped. Now, do you think Michigan's offense can score 31 or 34 points on Ohio State's defense? Because if you do, then I see a game there. But if Ohio State's defense is coming out and pitching a 49 nothing shutout at halftime, that's the defense that shows up. And Denzel Burke is healthy, and everybody's firing on all cylinders. And, you know, the, the defensive line at Ohio State, I think, has been great the last few weeks. You know, they've been playing very well. You know, Steel Chambers is flowing to the football. Like, there's a lot to like about Ohio State's defense right now. If that's the defense that shows up, 
I don't think that this should be a game that has any sort of sweating for Ohio State fans at all. Yeah. I so, like, thinking about it tactically is one thing. But if you are going to go to the Woody Hayes Center at some point this week and listen to all the bullshit questions about throwing the records out and what are the what word comes to mind when you think about Michigan, <laughs> you know, all those bullcrap questions that have haunt me in my dreams for the rest of my life. But, like, do you think that the, the rivalry aspect of this game can have an impact on it? Yeah, I think I think it has a little bit of an impact on it. It's it's what it's what always gives me pause, and maybe I'm I'm stupid for for thinking that way. But it's like you were at a four, I'm at like a five and a half. Maybe I'm a little I'm a little higher than you that this could be a competitive game. Part part of that is unknown. Like if Don Brown was Michigan's defensive coordinator, I would like Ohio State's going to win by thirty. Um, I don't know what to make of Mike McDonald, their new coordinator. Uh, I'm excited to talk with Nick about that later in the week because Nick's Nick's awesome with with kind of breaking that stuff down. I just want to know what he does differently. If they can pressure C.J. Stroud, if they can show him some different stuff that he's not seen before, um, then 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 maybe it can it can get interesting. But I think that's the only way it gets interesting. If Ohio State is just going to score forty points because it shows up and usually scores forty points, um, even if it's on like an off day, um, I just I don't think Michigan can can keep up with that. And, and part of that is I was pretty encouraged by what I saw from Ohio State's defense last week. Um, I know that game was lopsided from the start. But even though it was lopsided, I thought Michigan State was still playing it pretty straight up, and I thought Ohio State was still playing it pretty straight up. Like in that particular matchup, I don't think either team was playing like it was thirty-five nothing for most of that first half. And I thought Ohio State's defense played really well, um, and I like some of the the things they're doing. Like they put Craig Young in the game. I think you're going to see a lot of Craig Young against Michigan this week, because Michigan likes to run the ball. They run the ball a shit ton. They're happy to get three yards of carry and like keep keep Ohio State's offense off the field. Um, so I'm I'm excited to watch more more Craig Young because I think this is kind of what he was built for, um, and I think there are other matchups that that like have me excited to kind of break down a little bit, but I, I get that way for a lot of Ohio State games, and then we get there on Saturday and it's like well, none of the shit we talked about mattered because that team's a buzzsaw and the other team is just the the next you know whatever whatever a buzzsaw cuts that's in its way. <laughs> Can I uh, take a break from the regularly scheduled programming to tell you something? Yeah. Eli Ricks put his name in the transfer portal. So when do you think he's going to choose Ohio State? Like next week or the week after? Oh, I don't know. Do you believe some of the message board stuff? He was supposed to be a Buckeye last year. Weird how that didn't happen. Um, yeah, I can see them making a play there. Is that shade? Maybe a little bit. Um, <laughs> Dolomy doesn't give shade. Uh, yeah, like Cam Brown's leaving. Seven Banks is leaving. Denzel Burke's a stud get Eli Ricks in there. I don't know. They have two really good freshman corners and like a bunch of freshman corners coming in. If you go out and get Eli, Eli Ricks, I don't who's pro, I don't know if he, I'm assuming he's good. I've never watched Eli Ricks play. He's like, really good. Like a football, but I'm assuming he's good based on his recruiting profile. Um yeah, I think I I would be surprised if Ohio State did not get in that mix. Yeah, okay. So, back to Michigan. Well, that that was a, a break in the sense that it wasn't quite about Michigan, but that type of thing is exactly why Michigan doesn't have a chance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jeremy Birmingham retweeted it with the eyeball emoji. So yeah, let's, uh, yeah well, let's get ride, the, ride, ride, ride. Right? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get the train rolling. I guess on that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Something else. Oh, oh. Seems like Ohio State might be in the running to finally get a good player, huh? Yeah, no. It's it's, <laughs> it's a sh- I mean, not that it has any impact on the way the games turn out, but yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't matter. Um, Overrated. I do want to say that I will. This is the road trip that, for whatever reason, I love to making with you the most. I really liked going to Detroit with you. It was fun. I, yeah, I like I like this trip too. And and honestly, for like for as lopsided as it's been, and like for as much 
like runway we try to get out of like parsing this game when when really the matchup's not all this close. I really like this game a lot. Like I I've it was something I was excited about when I got this job covering Ohio State to like finally cover an experience for the first time and over the years of of getting the chance to cover. Like I've really grown to love this game. I love like the energy that's in the stadium, either stadium before the game, even if it's if it's a seven point spread, if it's a fourteen point spread, if it's a twenty point spread, like I feel like it always there's always a little bit of tension in the air when you walk into the building and I really enjoy that. Um the games themselves have been entertaining even when they are lopsided because sometimes it's just fun to watch a team put on a fireworks show. Um, so I'm glad the game's back. Like I was, I was pretty bummed last year when we didn't get an Ohio state Michigan game. Yeah, it, it does feel different. And the thing that is difficult is that it's not what it used to be. And I know Ohio state fans are reveling in this and they're enjoying it, but like, the competitive nature of this rivalry is what made it so amazing. Yeah, I get that. And it's just not it's just not competitive. So, you know, every year we talk ourselves into the idea that that this could be it, but like could the score be 34 to nothing in the second quarter? Yeah, it could. It could be. Yeah, it definitely could be. I think this is certainly the second best team Jim Harbaugh's had at worst. Um, I don't know if either of us are qualified to say whether or not it is his best team if you're comparing it to the 2016 team. Um, but we'll have Nick Baumgart, Nick Baumgartner, excuse me, on later this week to talk more about that. Because I like I, if it's truly Jim Harbaugh's best team, like I don't know, and, and it does. I don't know. Something feels a little different about them. Like I, they feel more organized. They feel like more into it. And I guess that just comes with winning. And they like beat Maryland's ass. So I get that everyone's feeling good about that. But Michigan seems like it is in a different place coming into this game than it has been in the last what, four years. Maybe that means nothing, but I, I feel that a little bit. I don't know if you do. Yeah. It's because this is the last time, like it's been what, five years since the 16 game when it's the best they've been like, like this is to me, this is the, the ceiling of what Michigan's program is under Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Very well. Could be and to me, the ceiling of, and if this is the ceiling of what it is, that doesn't include a win over Ohio state. Yeah. If they if they somehow beat Ohio State on Saturday, then he he is there for another ten years probably. Mm-hmm. Like it's that's it's like that simple. It's like you do this, you know, and then Michigan goes to the playoff. That is exactly what this team should be. Yeah, it's but just th- a matter of like that's like that's the thing. It's like the reason why I believe that he should be on the hot seat or has been fired in the past is because I don't believe he can do it, and I still don't believe he can do it. And, and if he doesn't, and it's another, as we talked about before, a 10-win season when you lose to Michigan State and lose to Ohio State, like yeah, what what does that same. mean? Yeah. I, but it's like the same thing, too. It's just like, give me one thing that's – what is this, year six of the Harbaugh era? He was, his first year was 2015, so year seven. One, one win during that entire tenure that makes you think that they could win this game. Or like one example of – on the field glory that makes you think that they would be equipped to compete in this game. There's and I not guess one you can't say like, what, was there anything that that happened in 2019 or 18 or 17 that makes you think that it's not relevant? A different team, different coaches, different assistants, right? Different players. Mm. But from a coaching acumen standpoint, he's never he's never risen to the occasion, and he's had plenty of spots like this. He hasn't done it once. He, it is interesting to me, and I feel like uh, maybe this is revisionist history, but I do I do feel like it's happened in the past. Like there'll be times throughout the year where like. Jim Harbaugh like kind of lets it hang and he does some 
some tricky stuff, and like they had a throwback kick return touchdown against Maryland. They they unleashed Donovan Jackson. Um, they blocked a punt. Uh, I think on like a different look than they've than they've used on on pump block, and it's like okay, he's got all the stuff in his bag, and he was aggressive in using it against a team that they would have beat anyway. Does he come out with a similar mindset against Ohio State? Like I think I think that guy, and I think I've said it before, either on this podcast or old podcast. Like I think he turtles a little bit when he plays Ohio State, and I'm curious if that same guy's going to show up in Ann Arbor on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, we always say too, Bill. Bill, we always say that like Michigan's going to beat Ohio State again eventually, right? Like you have to, you have to admit, like, or like you have to think to yourself, like, just based on math, like it's going to happen eventually, right? And it's like if it does happen eventually, that team is going to have to beat an Ohio State team that's built like this, Mm -hmm. because Ohio State's not going to be the isn't going to be built like the Michigan State team that we played last that we that we watched them play last weekend, right? So they're going to have to beat this version of Ohio State. To get that to get that switched because this is where they are now. So, what kind of version of Michigan is there going to have to be for it to happen? You know, revenge tour, whatever, blah blah blah. You know, this team's kind of kept its mouth shut. Jim Harbaugh, you know, restructured his deals, making less money. You know, maybe there's there's a different feel to it this year. I don't know. Um, but if it were ever to happen, this is the type of year where it should happen. Like you can you can, like. You could convince yourself that this is going to be close if you really want to. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of whether or not you feel like you're stepping into a trap by doing it. Yeah, I think I think there are – I think sometimes we try to convince ourselves it's going to be close just because like it's the rivalry. And I think maybe some of us want it to be close because that's when it's at its best. Um, there also, I think, are like a few legitimate football reasons why this could be close. Um and that's not always been the case. I don't know if that's been the case the last couple of years, to be perfectly honest. But but I think that's more the, that's the most it's been the case since 2016. I think I think this year, maybe, maybe 2017. I don't know. Um, but we'll talk with Nick about that. I think later. I, I think that's that's something where we will need his expertise on that because we know Ohio State. He knows Michigan. We can talk through some of that stuff and whether or not it's real. Uh, what kind of place Michigan's in? Uh, we'll give our picks for the game too in that episode. Uh, whether or not Mick, Nick wants to do it with us or not, we'll make sure we give our picks so we're on the record with that. Um, I believe uh, we didn't give him on the last show, but I think Ari said that Ohio State was going to win fifty-six to seven, and uh, sure as shit, he got it right. So congratulations on that. Hey. Also, too, like I don't know what you got going on on Black Friday. This isn't a promise, but maybe we'll get together for a third time this week. If like our if our episodes with Nick um, is more Michigan heavy and people want to hear more about like what you learned at interviews and stuff this week, we can maybe do another forty minute episode like later in the week, not on your Thanksgiving or not on Black Friday. I guess I don't know. Just a thought process. If you're around, I'm just going to be at my house on the microphone. So if you want to shoot the shit for a half hour, I'm around. Yeah, yeah. We might be at the. We'll see how the week goes. Are you going to Philly? No, no, no. I'm just going to Pittsburgh. Just for the okay. day. Just for the day. Um, we get Ryan Day on Tuesday and some captains on Tuesday. Um, if if good stuff comes out of that and we feel like we need to have another episode, I think I think we can we can sketch one out for sure. Because um, I I do I I, I kind of want to get like a little Michigan heavy. I think with with Nick on Wednesday and and figure out where this program is, where it's going, and what, what he thinks. Oh my god, I can't wait. Is Saturday? it going to be like you guys uh, when we were at the? Should yeah. I get? We should get some beers and just yell at each other in a public bar for the fifth time. Yeah, let's let's crack open a couple cold ones at nine o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, <laughs> and you and Nick can yell at each other about Michigan, and I'll just sit here and sip on my IPA and enjoy myself. It'll be a good time. All right, we'll wrap up there. Uh, thank you for listening again. The Black Friday deal: theathletic.com/slash four two six four to six, beginning five p.m. Eastern on Monday night. One dollar per month for twelve months. 
sign up. If you're not signed up, tell your friends to sign up. We greatly appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys later in the week. Thank you.